time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Walking Dead. Oh, and welcome to Walking Dead, Wednesday number 23. The Big 23. I'm Chris Honeywell. I'm here with Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Sean Engel. Hey, everyone. Dr. Bill Robinson has not followed his own advice and has been smoking five packs of cigarettes a day, <laughs> trying to sound like Bob Dylan. Me. <laughs> and within 15 hours, he developed a spot on his lung. <laughs> <laughs> don't smoke, kids. <laughs> yeah, and don't they- smoke cigarettes either. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah, you can smoke all those vapor things. That's all. Oh, wait, now you can't smoke vapor things because... Don't they, get Trennis you, Magnus all worked up. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but Walking Dead. Yes. We are finally at the end of season one. Yep, and this is... Um... Of course, it was only six episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Someone at work was just, was just like, I'm halfway through season one. I'm like, oh, you've got three episodes to go. Of course, yeah. if you were watching Sherlock, you'd already be done. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so this is an interesting, interesting episode, and 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 if I recall right, we were wailing and gnashing our teeth at the end of uh, last episode because we were like, "What the hell is?" Or, or at least recall, at least myself recalling my reaction of watching this the first time when it first aired. I was just like, "Okay, what what the hell is going on here?" <laughs> yep. Yeah, because it started to really go veer. This is one of the times when it veers from the comic. This, the, yeah, and now we've gone... Well, before we go in, into that, I, I hear Bill Robinson, you have lovingly prepared a uh, oh yes a synopsis. So, uh, yes, I have a synopsis for uh, and our... And since you are the entertainer... Let me entertain you. Oh, I am going I to... Am uh, entertainer, <laughs> the master of my craft. <laughs> so sing us a song. Well, uh, I've I've got I've got a little ditty started for uh, the beginning of the synopsis. Like like I said prior, to, I was coming on. I uh, uh, I attempted this and I got partially way through and gave up tragically. But here we go. Is the beginning of the synopsis for TS nineteen episode six of season one, song two, the tunes of Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Chains in the hospital, saving Rick if possible. Soldiers kill the local staff, zombies coming from the back. Shane picks up Rick, but he's just too sick. Soldier leans in the door, Shane drops to the floor. Tells Rick, snap out of it, something hits the building. Shane thinks Rick is dead, puts his hand on his head. Runs out to the hall. Soldiers saying, kill them all, them all, them all, them all. Zombies come around the band and, sh- and shove a bed on Rick's door. Credits play, creepy door. Crows eat eyes, the world is dead, goodbye. Of course, this is The Walking Dead, season one, episode six. It's called TS-19, the end of the first season. No, we didn't green light it, but AMC really likes it. 
And that's all I got for singing. <laughs> Bravo, sir. Bravo. Uh, oh my god, that's what the mute button is invented for. <laughs> you meaning I should have muted myself? <laughs> Take all right, it as, as you will. <laughs> as, we, as we come back in from the credits, uh, our intrepid heroes have gone into the light. No, not really, but they have gone into the lobby of the CDC building. Uh, they are greeted by one Dr. Edwin Jenner asking for a blood sample as the price of admission. They ride an elevator deep down into the complex. Jenner tells them he is all alone, himself and the computer interface. Once the tests are out of the way, they are all treated to a good meal. The discussion turns to why Jenner is the only one here. He explains that when things went bad, some left and others left in a different way, feet first. He uh, stayed to go on with his work. Jenner shows them where where they can sleep and shower, but not to use too much power. The group is wow. I'm rhyming and didn't even know it. The group is ex- excited about a hot even, shower. Can't help it, man. You just can't <laughs> help it. Got the Billy Joe running through your veins. You got the mojo working, man. I could try to sing the rest of my synopsis. See, at this point, you're supposed to go. No, it's okay, man. You don't have you to. Don't keep, strain yourself. Keep going. You know. Okay. Yeah. Doing good. How come you guys always pick on me when I do my synopsis? You're doing good. The group is excited about excited about a hot shower. Cue the hot shower montage. And we see each person having a nice little hot shower, and of course Rick gets in for some little Lori action in their shower. And, but we'll just pass right by that. Next morning we see Dale and Aunt Andrea share a tender moment together over some vomit. <laughs> And a drunken and scared Rick thanks Jenner for his hospitality. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I got a little out of order. This is still in the drunken evening. Uh, Laurie sends the kids and Carol off to bed to find some reading material when Shane decides to have a little talk. Trying to explain himself to Laurie as to how he thought Rick was actually dead, which we had seen in the flashback to the opening. She isn't having any of it, though. And... Talk turns to near rape until a scratch on uh, the neck brings Shane to his senses and he decides to leave. The next morning, the group joins joins for breakfast, hungry and hungover. They press Jenner again about information. He shows them TS-19, which appears to be which appears to show the MRI of the test subject in the early stages of the um, of the infection. They see the impulses of the brain from life to death. Test subject 19 volunteered to be tested after being bitten. He outlines the process to the group as they watch the impulses go dark, and then the brain restarts starts itself, but this time it's different. The brain stem restarts, and only mindless insti- instinct remains. Suddenly, a bullet goes through the brain, and the recording is over. He has no real answers as to what it is, only that it is. He also has... No, he has had no contact with anyone on the outside world, so they are on their own. Glenn, not Glenn, excuse me, Dale, in Columbo fashion, asks uh, one more question: Why is that clock counting down in the in the control room? Jenner says the generator runs out of fuel when the clock runs out, and then he calmly walks away. Risks Rick asks uh, Vi, which is the computer interface, the AI, what happens after that. Something called facility-wide decontamination will begin. The group heads down to the generators to look for more fuel, but there is none. Things slowly begin to shut down in the facility, 
Uh, they meet back up with Jenner, and he tells them that the system is shutting down to conserve power. Oh, and by the way, the French were the last ones to go dark. Earlier, they had asked him if they had any contact with anybody else, and he said, it was, uh, oddly enough, well, you know, he didn't say oddly enough, but the French stuck it out. Oddly enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they sorry, survived to- because they surrendered. There you go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. We are safe in our little... Uh, Wait, that was Arnold Frenchman. Wee no. <laughs> wee. <laughs> anyway, at the half hour mark, Jenner locks the facility down. Rick wants him to let them out, but um, he told he told them once they came in, they wouldn't be able to get back out, much like roaches. He reminds that uh, he reminds them just what is in the CDC and what happens in case of a catastrophic power fa- failure. He mentions weaponized smallpox. You know, all the things that Sean Angle deals with. The uh, <laughs> He says uh, the hits will be uh, deployed. And uh, the hits are not actually highly intelligent ticks. Nope. They're high-impulse thermobaric fuel-air explosives. Basically, a 5 to 6,000 degree explosion to level the facility. Jenner is ready for this, but not all the others are. He tries to convince them that this is the better way to go. Daryl and Shane each try to uh, try the direct approach with axe and shotgun, but Rick protects Jenner and calls his bluff, saying he's lying. Why did he stay here this long if it was just to die? It was because, and uh, Jenner tells him it was because of a promise he made to his wife, who was test subject 19. She was the Einstein of the facility, and he was just, well, Edwin Jenner, and that she could have done something about it, but he had promised to stay as long as he could. He finally relents and lets them out of the lower levels, but tells them that they still won't be able to get out topside, but they can try. He will give them that chance. Within, with four minutes and 30 seconds, they run. Jenner whispers something to Rick bef- uh, in his ear before he leaves, and Andrea and Jackie decide to stay as well. Dale begs Andrea not to, uh, uh, to go with him, but, he ref- but uh, she refuses to go, and he in turn refuses to leave her. Topside, topside they are desperately trying to break the glass, and Carol, uh, with the, I guess, save of the day, pulls the grenade that Rick had gotten in the first episode out of the tank, out of her bag. Check out the grenade. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time coming for that grenade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're able to blow out the glass. Uh, meanwhile, Andrea uh, has finally decided that she, she isn't going to let Dale die for her, and they both agree to leave. Um... And outside, we see the group run to the vehicles and prepare um, to get in as Dale and Andrea emerge from the building. Downstairs, Jenner and Jackie, JJ, as we'll call them, watch as the others reach the vehicles with 20 seconds to, to go. As the clock ca- counts down, JJ hold hands. They both hold hands and wait for the end. Outside, the survivors take cover. A massive explosion levels the building. Oddly, though... Not one glass breaks in any of the vehicles outside, but well, you know it's Hollywood, folks. So there you go. And Bob Dylan in a Bob Dylan Dune plays as they drive away from the wreckage, and that is that for TS nineteen. Excellent synopsis, sir. I, I yeah, I especially love the Billy Joel opening. I'm sorry you didn't get to, <laughs> to fully realize that because I think that would have been completely and totally epic. That would have been that that might that might have 
put the memory of your synopsis for episode one to shame, and I'm sad that it didn't come come to fruition. Well, unfortunately, time and life got in the way, and I couldn't finish it. As, as it always does, sadly. Yes. But there'll be more episodes, and there'll be more songs, or more weird things to do. So, I know this, uh, we had spoke prior that this is where things really veer away from the comic, and last time we were kind of, uh, I know, Chris, you were really like, ah, what's going on? What's, what, you know, what's, what, why is this, where is this going? This isn't in the comic. And that you wanted to see how this played out. What did you think about this one? Well, I thought this one had all the elements of what I didn't want to see. Like a scientific explanation. You know, I didn't want to see a scientist sitting down and going, this is what's going on and stuff. So I was very apprehensive for it. And yeah, it turned yeah, out but it really, not yeah, but it really to be that at all. Oh yeah, because it didn't. You said, "Well, we don't know what it is. It could be this. It could be that. Yeah, we just know what it does. And what it is. We don't know how to stop it. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know where it came from." And the first time watching it, I I enjoyed this like many levels more. The second time, this is the second time I've I watched this since it first aired. And I liked it a lot when it first aired. I re- this might be one of my favorite episodes, um, <laughs> because up to, up to now or overall, even with the other stuff you've seen. Overall, in the whole run of the show. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, because I think this was still uh, Darabont was still in here. I I just yeah thought... yeah he was still he was still showrunner. In fact, he uh, co-wrote it with uh, it's saying Adam Fierro here. So yeah, the Darabont was still around. Uh, I'll, I'll let you continue on and finish up uh, before I jump in. Well, I just the the second time seeing him showing patient nineteen and uh, and all that when you know it's his wife mm. and, and you're listening to his dialogue and um, it that scene just becomes way more powerful. And it's funny because I, is it Andrea that that starts to sort of figure it out that you know we're waiting for somebody. What 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 is the word for it? I want to a vigil. We're watching a vigil, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And yeah. That that like when you know what's going on there, and when you see him just sort of think about it for a second and go, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And uh, it was just a lot more. A lot more powerful. Um, I, it, I'm surprised Kirkman didn't write this one because it felt very Kirkman-y in in a lot of ways. Yeah, where they think they're oh, we've got a safe place to stay now, it's and, a, that, and just out comes the rug. <laughs> yeah, the whole Kirkman arc in in the in a, the course of an episode where you're like, oh, all right, they're, they're at least they're in a place that's locked down full of food and stuff, and it's like, uh, turns out, just doesn't have much energy. I well, don't know I'm, if I buy that. I'm glad, I'm glad that they they did this, they didn't string it out like they do in the next season, where they think they have a safe place to stay, and they string it out over, like, the entirety of the season. And, you know, that this was just kind of a one and done, and that they didn't, uh, you know, it was it encapsulated the ideas of The Walking Dead in this one episode. But I, I had some minor problems with it. Uh, you know, I, I agree on a second viewing. 
it it does feel it does work a lot better um i wasn't too keen at, at initially with the idea that they were going to give us some sort of scientific explanation for it but they really didn't like you said um again the science background of it even if this is the cdc and has the highest uh, most impressive government funding and all that the stuff that they were doing is science fiction you know the scanning of the brain like yes. that yes yes mm, they yeah. can't do that the you know the the digitizing down where they're looking at neurons that firing. you know of sean that you know of <laughs> no, i'm pretty certain i i'm not i'm not I'm not saying exactly what I do, but I'm pretty certain that stuff like that doesn't exist. Cause I know dealing with stuff like MRIs and CT scans, even that people have to be immobile. And even if these new mm-hmm. scanners, you know, most, most normal scanners, you have to be in this giant room with this huge yeah. machine. That's an electromagnet around you. So yeah, the kind of stuff that they do. But I think the one thing that, the veer off for me that kind of irked me the most was the complete descent of Shane into utterly unlikable character in this. And I think the, well, it's the, alcohol is it? Well, yeah, he was so, drinking. Yeah. They sort of uh, had the alcohol. Yeah. I get everybody loosen loosey goosey. Yeah. And I, I, I can understand that, but that, that doesn't absolve him from, like you said, Bill, literally oh, no. trying to rape Lori. No, oh, no yeah. but the thing is, it's but it also, and I don't want to say this like victim blaming because it's not at all, but it kind of indicts Lori too, that at that point she doesn't say anything to Rick, you know. I mean, Shane's got the Captain Kirk scratch, the Captain Kirk rape scratch on his face <laughs> within, and he's like, "Hey, That's what true. happened to your face?" And he's like, oh, "I must, it, whatever, you know." I mean, yeah, this is, you know, Rick's a cop, you know, he's he knows better than. Shane raked his face in it, whatever, man. And mm-hmm. then Sh- Shane did that, obviously, like, I wasn't myself, you know, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, like, sort of sending a- another message. So a- a- in this episode, we sort of got a hint that, that Lor- well, you know, at this point, maybe it's because I've watched all of, all of them. But, you know, I mean, I if I were Lori, I might have been like, look, Rick... <laughs> There's a problem with Shane, you know, but at that point she's, you know, she's hasn't said anything to Rick about her and Shane. I don't know if you would call it an affair since Rick was supposed to be pretty much dead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and it is kind of weird at the beginning, you know, Shane is meant out to be really heroic and then he gets such a dramatic turn. That by the, beginning it, is so tense, too. That's oh, a yeah, really that was, good beginning. Mm-hmm. With them mm-hmm. just bringing the people in the hallways and, and lining him up and shooting him and then shooting him in the head afterwards. Well, it's an oh, yeah, nice. it's another when he sees oh, all right, the troops are here and it's like oh, they're shooting <laughs> oh, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's another Kirkman esque thing where it's like coming into this episode, you're expecting the CDC because the last thing you saw was them walking into the light, and so it, they go into the light and then all of a sudden you're back into hardcore like first episode flashback. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, fast, you know, fast paced and the shit's hitting the fan. And it's sort of, it's sort of, I think was there to sort of soothe the people who are going, what, what's going on? The me, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. And then they, they bring you back into the CDC and that's a good little piece of backstory to add 
to end it. But it does it it that's the thing. It, it sort of explains Shane's rant at the end, but it doesn't excuse his action. You know, so yes. we're starting to get the idea that Shane's a little crazy. We're starting to get the idea that Andrea's a little crazy, and that that Laurie may not be playing both sides with Shane and Rick, but she might be open to the option of it a little bit. So we're get we got a little bit of soap opera started in this, and in the future we'll see that that's gonna. Yeah, there's definitely gonna be in. in- further episodes there's going to be a lot of that uh lori playing shane against rick and vice versa so yeah you can oh, kind yeah. of see that setup there yeah in yeah this episode. and in that scene where shane where shane's attacks are in the library um being a a garage sailor and buying board games one of the board games on the on the wall was the men are from mars women are from venus <laughs> and uh it's not something you can't read, you know, I only recognize it because of the art on the side of the, the thing. So that's something some smart-ass art director, you know, on the show. Put in there as an there. Easter egg. Yeah, or just for their own amusement, you know. But that, that I love stuff like that. I love that something like that's thrown in just on the off chance that someone goes, huh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> And zombies are from Uranus. Oh! And the doctor sort of spots Carl as a potential future psycho. (laughs) I can see I don't have to worry about any of you, but I gotta watch you. And it's like, yeah, you sort of do. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, especially the way that he progresses uh, throughout the rest of the series. Carl's gonna get some little more hardcore. Hardcore. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But this is... One of the things that's kind of sad about this is that this is the last episode that Darabont is really fully in on because after this was there was a big shakeup with the show. They, I don't know whether Darabont left or he was removed from the show, but yeah. I, I thought that was in season two, or am I wrong? Yeah, at, no, at the beginning of season two, at the end of season one, Darabont was, uh, you know, basically off anything except like executive producer reigns. Oh, and, okay. uh, for the next some contractual stuff to still get money to yeah they basically said you know we'll keep you on because you know we have you contracted out to do this number of episodes we'll just give you executive producer rights and but you don't get to show run and you don't uh, write anything I guess so and and whether or not that that leads into the next series being different or anything but it does does kind of end the idea that the first season of Walking Dead was very much a very cinematic season, with especially with Darabont's uh, tutelage under it. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. And and it's it's funny. I I look at um, the CDC part is almost like a tribute to like maybe Day of the Dead. It had a very Day of the Dead feel of it. Maybe it's because they were both sort of set on an empty government you know installation or something oh that's right that, that was the one where they were underground yeah and that one's oh yeah that's what got the most gruesome this, this scene still bugs me today i can't watch it when the guy gets ripped ripped up by the zombies in this when they pull his head off because they're stretching his vocal cords his voice changes yeah <laughs> it's those <laughs> attention to d- detail that make things extra special oh yeah <laughs> tom savini was um but yeah, I I really liked I really liked this episode the the second time watching it. Um it was just a good it, it ended up being a good character builder and I ended up instead of 
the first time there was a layer of dread over anything to do with the CDC part of the story, you know. Unlike, you know, I liked all the, the shadings of the... And you sort of saw Carol sort of taking that mother figure. You know, she's got her own... She's got Sophia, but... Oh, oh my God, the zombies are in. <laughs> Coming through the window. But she's got... I'm like, I'm gesturing with my arms. But she's got Sophia, but she's also sort of taking care of Carl. And you can tell she's just like... The, the more kids they had, Carol's probably going to be in charge of them, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, basically Glenn doesn't get much to do in this one except get drunk and hung over and picked mm-hmm. on. Same with Daryl. Daryl doesn't get much to do in this except sort of threaten. Swing, yeah. swing liquor bottles and axes. Yeah, and just sort of pound on the door in the background. <laughs> during be this. angry. When the whole time that Rick is talking to Jenner, over his shoulder, you see Daryl's just swinging away at this metal door with an axe. Yeah. Boom. Everybody else just sort of gave up. You know, I mean, I wouldn't even try because I know I'd be in a, (laughs) you know, when you see doors like that go down. uh, And Jenner had already said, oh, you're not going to get through that. It would take a rocket launcher. And there's there's Daryl. Pong. (laughs) Pong. Freaking out the kids. (laughs) But I thought that, I thought they handled it really well. I think we also saw a little bit of. Um, I, I think the acting in this show is a little bit over the top. In this one, definitely um, Dale was go, was working his eyes and his eyebrows a lot. In the you know he was kirking it up in this this thing, <laughs> especially this. I, but I liked the scene with him and Andrea where he's like, "I'm staying." And he totally psychs her, psychs her out of it. But at the same time, he's shitting bricks. Mm-hmm. You know, when he when he has to force himself to sit down in the chair across from her, and it's weird because when I remembered that scene, I pictured it completely different. I pictured it sort of out in the hallway, and he was sitting next to her. And and for some reason, I thought it was I. I remembered it that it was up at the top. I didn't. I, I yeah, didn't realize yeah. they were all the way down there. I thought they were right by the hole, basically. Right. That's what I thought the too. Last minute, they just like popped out the hole. So uh, yeah. I I don't know how that worked out with the with the elevator ride and everything like that. But yep, yep. They made it. No windows got broken except on the CDC. There was a kind of cheesy little bit of. of CGI, CGI. Yeah, yeah. well, it, at the end, yeah, the explosion was very CGI. It did seem kind of fakey, but it. You know, that's I think why. That's why it didn't blow any of the windows out in the vehicle. Okay, <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Jeffrey Demon, I think, was again the standout in this episode. I think he did a really good job, and he's portrayed the character of Dale perfectly. And yeah, you could get kind of in his performance that he was nervous about wanting to get out of there, but still determined to make sure that Andrea got out as well. So yeah, yeah, it was it was it was good, and you know. I think I think watching it a second time really helped me because initially when I watched this the first time I was just very irate about this. I was like, "No, it's de- it's detracting from the book. They had followed the book pretty much so well up till this, and then then it just took this complete left turn." And 
I was really kind of irked at it. But now coming back to it, the only thing that really irks me in the in the thing is the whole idea that Shane is now an attempted rapist. And mm. I just I still can't get over that, and I still can't get over why. Why, people I, were well, excited about the character of Shane. Okay, so the, I was just going to say, so in what context does that does that bother you? Because, well, I mean, because it, just ma- it makes Shane more dis- like more distasteful, yeah, it, it, but uh, it's also I, something we sort of only share with Laurie, so everybody else in the group doesn't know. Well, I'm thinking more people who are watching yeah. the show. I mean, everyone else in the, in the group can be um, sort of tricked or fooled by Shane and think that uh, he's still trying to work out for the best for the group. But we as viewers realize yeah. that Shane is a complete bastard. And and, and, and his... Dale's got a clue too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Dale Dale kind of had a clue in the last episode right. where he saw you know Shane leveling leveling the rifle at Rick, so yeah. But uh, yeah, this is one of those ones that if at least for me Watching the second time gave me a better perspective on it and gave me a better enjoyment of it. And I agree that, like, as as season two progresses, the the fan talk, especially of people who hadn't read the comic and didn't know, you know, what happened to Shane in the comic and what his general story arc was. There were, I remember talking to people who were just walk it, watching the TV show who were just like, I don't know, I could see Shane, you know, taking out Rick and being the leader. He might be better suited, you know, he might actually be right and he's better suited, you know. I don't know, Shane would have a more capacity to end up like the governor than Rick Oh, would. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. But there were, pe- there were people actually saying that. There were, you know, people posting stuff and... Actually, that was a conversation I had with someone in person where they're just like, I don't know, I like Shane. I think he's more suited to lead the group. And and I guess they just forgot. And there were a lot of girls that were like, Shane's really hot too. Mm-hmm. and Which it makes it extra creepy when they're discounting that he's a potential rapist. Yeah, yeah that's... <laughs> Please don't queue up the uh, Blurred Line song right now. That's, oh, that's all no, asked. Already, that's uh, already been done. Been done. Good right, luck. Good. good. You, that storm's already passed. <laughs> but yeah, overall, you know, I think... I you think know, you want it, though. <laughs> but I'm a good girl. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> this is degraded really quickly. Um, <laughs> it always and, does. Uh, like I said, on a second watch, I think this turns out to be a better episode, and I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. You know, despite despite my feelings towards Shane in the episode, I think overall this was a nice ending to the season. And now that I've gotten over the fact that the show is going to take a different tack than the comic, I'm okay with that now. And this this actually wasn't as egregious as I think some things down the road. So. I'm, oh yeah. I'm, well, we're better. we're now we're now going to be entering the semi. I guess a, the the nicest thing to say is the semi troubled production phase of mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. The first season, the first season was just accolades. People going berserk, episode to episode, anticipation, and the critics just going, "Oh my God, look at this horror series!" It's 
incredibly well written and and everything and all you know in season two you know for depending on who you were uh, there's chinks in the armor everybody i think found chinks in the armor in different places starting in in season two and we're yeah we're, i mean there's it's it's kind of drawn out but the mid-season thing i didn't Sometimes I th- see things coming a mile away. Other times, I guess I can shut my brain off and not try to actively look for things. And when it, when we get to that, we'll we'll see. Well, I mean, some people, well, probably everybody already knows. Yeah. But if somebody hasn't, we won't spoil it here. We're definitely going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> for yeah. yeah, when we get to that, out. that's going to be good and bad, mm-hmm. and probably of different differing op- different opinions and different variations of love and hate. <laughs> mm-hmm true very true but yeah i found this episode riveting and intense i crapped my pants <laughs> look you you couldn't all wait for a commercial <laughs> i watched it on netflix commercial. i could stop whenever i wanted <laughs> i couldn't take my laptop in there with me. now that the internet's around so few it, well, I was just going to say, so fewer pa- pants have been crapped, but then there was World of Warcraft, so there you go. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> don't get yeah. me started on having to have, you know, a catheter in when you're doing some of those World of Warcraft raids. Oh. Yeah, like like long-distance truckers. Yes. Mm. <laughs> hey, we're going to be doing this raid from, oh, uh, 6, 6 p.m. till midnight. Uh, are you ready to go? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, can I do anything else? No. You need to be at your keyboard twenty four all the time. Don't leave. I wouldn't go. I would. I would go with the two liter bottle before the catheter. But hey, you know. <laughs> well, see, my so. wife's a nurse, so oh, okay. she's fine with it. <laughs> Have I said too much? <laughs> uh, the do we need to end it now? Scene. Yeah. Okay. I think that's about it I, for this week. I, I think we need to. Yeah. Just go out. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener, it's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com. 
where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. If today was not a crooked highway, you guys don't know who sang the song at the end of it, do you? If tonight, nah, nah, I don't know. It, it didn't. It, I, at the end of my synopsis, the last line says a Dylan-esque tune plays as they. Bob Dylan. That was off. Are you are you sure? I'm. That was an old Bob Dylan. Big dot Bob Dylan fan. I think that's off the first. First. I looked in the credits, but I didn't see anything, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was back when Bob Dylan could sing. Not like his Christmas album he put out a few years ago. I have copy that. <laughs> I heard one song off it and it wasn't bad. It grows on you. Like well, I, mold. I like I like pretty much all phases of Bob Dylan's career, even now when his voice is just blasted to shit. It's a harmonica. Yeah, they say, well, this is Wikipedia, of course. You know, they say that it's Bob Dylan. Okay. Near the end of the program, Bob Dylan's to borrow is a long time, is in the background. Okay, I'll just say, I didn't know Bob Dylan had a stroke. <laughs> Bob, Bob Dylan, Michael Douglas. What's it about Bob Dylan singing through, like, uh, tracheotomy? Or he's got one of those throat things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could, could probably play the hell out of one of those neck holes. He's a smoker, too, so it could happen. Oh, my God, that's a fucking... He could put a harmonica on there. Oh, I know. That's it would be the most wild noise, like metal bands would be hiring him and shit. He could sing and har- in harmonica at the same time. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> All right, I'm putting this dialogue over that song. Yes, no, yeah. she was lying. <laughs> All right, you guys. How, how many times must a man walk down? In my Sorry. bed <laughs> once again. If I has tranquil clothes, <laughs> the answer, my friend, is blowing in my throat. Blow it in my throat. Sing it. 
Drakey Bob. Drakey Bob. <laughs> so Walking Dead. Walking Dead. All right. You want me to bring this in? Was not a crooked trail. If tomorrow was in such a long time, then lonesome would mean nothing to you at all. Isn't only if my own true love was waiting. If I could hear her heart is softly pounding. Isn't only if she was lying by me. I'd lie in my bed once again I can't see my reflection in the water I can't speak the sounds to show no pain I can't hear the echo of my footsteps Or remember the sounds of my own name isn't only if my own true love was waiting And if I could only hear her heart softly pounding Isn't only if she was lying by me And I'd lie in my bed once again As beauty in that silver singing river As beauty in that rainbow in the sky But none of these and nothing else can touch the beauty That I remember in my true love's eyes Isn't only if my own true love was waiting I could only hear a heart softly pounding Yes, and only if she was lying by me And I'd lie in my bed once again We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. <laughs> 